by Chronicles episode three. Um, I'm Maddie, and as always, our special guest of today is Paloma. Do you want to take it away? Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. We've been longtime friends, but when I heard about this project, I wanted to take part, and here I am. I am a writer, an actor, and more of a filmmaker nowadays, and, and, or a photographer, I'd say, more than film, but I dabble in many places, too many places perhaps, but I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. And as you, well, as we were talking about, we are going to be discussing creative flow and burnout of the average high school student, which is a topic we have spoken about many times in the past. But today we were like, okay, we're going to talk about this for once and actually like share our thoughts. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's just start it off. Um, We're both seniors in high school, uh, so there'll be tons of college app like talks on here as well and just genuinely sharing our college, ex- not t- like college application. What was the first moment that made you think, oh crap, I think I'm burning out? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I would say it was like midway through middle school, um, which is a very early time, but I think for the listeners who don't know me or haven't heard of me before, I became an advocate when I was nine and I started to lobby for Florida legislators to fund the budget for students with disabilities in Florida who are not receiving the tools they needed to succeed. And so I started that when I was nine and I'm now 16. So in retrospect, that was seven years of a project that I dedicated a lot of my time and my love towards. But I think when I was in middle school, towards the end of my book being published, I really came into the realization that I was not as in love with it as I originally was when I started it. And I think that's when I started to have the dialogue about what burnout is and what it looks like for me. I would love to hear what your experience was. My probably first experience was, so I, uh, I go to, I've gone to a boarding school for the past three years. This is my final year of high school. Um, and it is a very intensive school where we have lots of, um, like we did 10 subjects and it was just really intense for a long time. And I came from the American system. So it was definitely a culture shock at first. And then on top of all the really hard grades and you basically just have to constantly be on top of your game. And I think it was, May of May of my May of ninth grade and this was during COVID and of course we all know that COVID has like completely screwed up many people's social lives mental health just everything and for me when I first started like researching what burnout was and just like learning about it I was like oh this is not what I'm meant to feel like and I was just super stressed constantly tired and never really feeling my best um and that's when I was like okay I need to start implementing change and actually figuring out what I want to do with my life yeah absolutely so with that I want to ask you like having spent so much time with it because I remember when we were both back in it in freshman year like how do you feel you've become better at coping with it and then grown from it in a lot of ways I think the first step burnout that everyone needs to acknowledge is just acknowledging it honestly and it sucks because I was very much like the go-getter, like the overachiever, just very much on this path that I was like, okay, I'm going to succeed. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And when I finally was at a point in my life where I can be like, oh, I'm actually really stressed and overworked and not doing super well. I was like, okay, now I can actually start figuring out how to like combat it. And that's genuinely the first, it's the hardest step, but it's the most important one because then you can figure out the resources and tools 
that you need in order to help you just cope with burnout. Um, next thing I did that also was really, really hard. Like I said, I was an overachiever is learning to say no to doing things, which I'm sure you can totally agree on with me is actually being like, I'm not going to take on this extra project or I'm not going to say I'm going to do this for someone. I'm going to just focus on what I have in front of me. And that was super hard because I was like, I want to do all these projects. I want to do all these things. But at the end of the day, I was like, I need to just strip back and focus on like me and actually giving myself time to breathe and like to cope. Yeah, absolutely. I think in April or May of last semester, I talked to an arts advisor that I know and I have asked her about how she personally dealt with burnout and she was super impressed with this question, which caught me off guard because I didn't really think it to be something worth like being a coffee conversation starter, but she was really impressed and she invited me to meet with her outside of the conversation we'd been having. And I sat there and she was telling me all of her tips and I realized that I also had tips that I could give to her. And like for me, the way that I cope is just by prioritizing what's most fulfilling to me and then going from like what's most fulfilling and what's most urgent and combining those to be like something that really I can't kind of explain, but it's a perfect balance for me. And I think as I finally made it in senior year and I'm like making it where the things that I love, I'm balancing with the things that are urgent and I need to get done. I think certainly with the college applications and everything, I'm having to make what I love what's urgent as well. I was going to say, what for you was your main thing that kind of kept, not kept you going, but just besides from schoolwork that just kind of kept motivating you and you were like, this is my passion, this is what I love. And yeah, I would say the people and the arts that I've been connected with, I think definitely you and your projects have super, super inspired me through it all because just being able to see your workflow and your ethics of like what keeps you interested in what you were doing and what I got to be a part of for a small amount was super exciting to be a part of and it sparked a lot of the joy that I have for the current projects so I think surrounding myself with people who Kit and I were involved in this project with a bunch of our um, mutual friends who will hopefully be on this podcast at a later date Um, we created a Star Wars fan series and it had a lot of problems it wasn't really there were some people who just weren't really the best at communicating and we just had some issues to come up along down the line and stuff and we basically scrapped the project and then re picked it up again a couple months ago and was like let's rejig it let's like do it in our way and then that kind of like died as well because I was the director for this project and I just really couldn't get my shit together quite frankly so I think my I have a question and I'm going to interject here. Like, how does it feel when you're going through the motions of burnout to have a creative project you've invested so much time and energy in kind of fall apart like that? How does that make you feel? Do you like, like, what's the, like, do you go through five stages of grief? Because I know I've certainly gone through that with the projects that I was super excited for that didn't work out. So like, can you walk me through how that felt as the director and and big person behind it? Um, It was definitely super disappointing because... And I'm not trying to, like, put other people down here, but it felt like other people weren't really keeping up their end of the deal um, in terms of, like, collaborating. And it was really hard because at the time I was a junior in high school and just I had a lot on. I was really not I didn't have a lot of time. And the time free time I did was spent into this project and other people just didn't really communicate as effectively. And it made it really hard to get stuff done. 
And for me, the hardest part was we actually had someone message us. Um, we had this form that we sent out and someone messaged us saying, I'd like invest all this time and equipment into this and like my own money. And I was really excited about this project. And then it just kind of fell apart and I was really frustrated. And I was like, I complete, I really felt that and I was really hurt at first because I was like, oh, like what about everything I've done? But I was like, no, that's completely valid about what she said. Um, so that was definitely really hard to just kind of reconcile with. But when I did kind of realize that, okay, this project isn't the only source of my happiness. I am my own person. I can do my own things. And I did. I moved, I went on to create, uh, directing my own first short film, which still haven't received back, which is a whole nother thing, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, and just finding other things that brought the same amount of passion into my life. And I have to be very careful because, and I'm sure you'll probably agree with this, but um, taking on too many things uh, in order to fill that space is what I definitely did at first. And then as I started to figure out what it was I really wanted to do and have a clearer vision, it became a lot easier to go, okay, I'm not going to take on that project, but I'm going to try to do this and then that as well. Yeah, and I think that's definitely something that gets to be a big thing you realize when people aren't communicating. I think lack of communication is a big pillar into why we burn out as people because you want to take on and you want to see your project succeed because in a lot of ways it's what you put your heart and your soul on and on the line for and, and when you see it kind of get roughed housed with other people you really are like oh well I it's mine like I'll take responsibility and I'll do this and I'll do that so I totally get it when you you kind of have to accommodate for other people you start to really go through the motions of the cycle of burnout in a lot of ways. Have you ever had a project where you have felt like take on more roles than what you initially signed up for? Yeah absolutely I think that I tend to start all of my projects like that because I think that I can in-house as much as I can and then I'll start to outhouse things and I'll ask people for help but I think um, like I'm the president of our National Art Honor Society this year and I'm starting to have to create a team and work with people because this is something that's important to me beyond the year that I graduate so I want to make this sustainable for the underclassmen and the people that are equally as passionate about the arts as I am and I know that when I leave I want to leave something that they can replicate and make accommodating to other students who are interested and I think so in that way I think it's a new a new project in that way but I've certainly had lots of projects like plays that I've started and not finished or films or YouTube projects or lots and lots of things mainly arts related that I've just been super excited about or had some notes app idea that I was like this is going to be the million dollar idea and then I didn't do anything with so I totally have been there. Going yeah. on to that idea of starting things and not finishing I have the hardest time of actually finishing projects. Like I think I've completed about two projects in my lifetime um, <laughs> that I've like started and kind of pushed through, which is pretty shocking. But how do you, how do you finish things? Cause that is something I struggle with and I'm sure many other creative people struggle with. Um, what is your advice for that? I used to be super dependent on an accountability buddy and I would have friends that I would just call and we would FaceTime and we would do things together and that was super inspiring to me because I would have somebody else in that double-bodied system that we could also be keeping track of what we're doing and spending time talking to each other and that would be super fun. But as I've spent more time alone and doing things on my own, I just realized that I just 
if I'm passionate about it and if I have a hard deadline for myself, I'm gonna get it done. So like I'll give you the college example. Uh, college application example because I'm applying to NYU early decision and the deadline for that is November 1st so I need to make sure that all of my materials are in order and before the deadline because once November 1st rolls around I'm not going to be scrambling around for things because there won't be any time for that so I really started to be more disciplined with myself and using myself as a discipline I started to stop going on TikTok as much and stopped doing things that were not really serving me in that little manifestation type of way but the things that were not providing me what they needed to when it came to my fulfillment or my creative success I started to cut out of my life and that's helped me finish a lot of projects and really quickly um what are you what like program are you applying are you planning on applying for yeah, I'm planning on applying to New York University's Steinhardt School of Media, Culture, and Communications. So it'll be a really fun four years, hopefully, seeing as my December 15th deadline of acceptance or defer will come out. So yeah. That's awesome, because I am applying to um, NYU Tisch, um, yes. the BFA program for film and television. But what I really like about Tisch, and for any filmmakers out there who... Um, are very scared to go into the business of like failure or whatever because it's a or like having a plan b a really cool thing about the tisch program is that they have a joint program with stern where you actually get a bachelor of science and a bfa uh, for business and it just will help propel your um like uh communication skills your like opportunities and just it will help you advance so much further in life at least i believe um you can't apply until after you get accepted into one of the schools, but that's at least where I'm going. It's a super competitive program. Like I think they only accept eight people a year. It's insane. Um, so I'm really hoping that I get into it. I hope I get into NYU just in general. Yes, we'll but, be roommates. Um, yeah, I know. Um, but that's that's what I think. And we'll talk more about like creative careers and like careers in the arts as well because I know that there's a lot of negative stigma around it and um, parental pressure and just figuring out what you want to do in your life. Um, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of which, when, how did you first figure out what you were super passionate about and what you wanted to do in life? Yeah, no, so I was born with a 200,000 births rare vision condition that has affected me since I was born and throughout my all of my childhood and in my teen years and that had made me feel different from other people and I had this chance to, like I mentioned, um, lobby the legislature for funding for students with disabilities and that really opened my eyes to the amazing world that comes from standing up for yourself and advocating and asking for what you believe in and, and dreaming big. And so that was when I started to become super passionate about just empathizing with other people so that their stories can get told. And, and I knew that the importance of my stories being told would help other people. So that's when I really started. So I would say all the way back when I, I got diagnosed even, but that was very small me. But I would say when I was more cognizant, it was around like nine or 10. What about you? Oh, that's a good question. I think definitely when I first discovered film, and I always say the story because it means like it is my favorite thing, is I, I can't, I don't remember, I think it was 2019, I watched Little Women um, directed by Greta Gerwig for the first time and I instantly fell in love and I, I just developed this connection. I was like, that's what I want to do in life. Like, that's who I want to be. Um, and obviously Hollywood isn't as pretty and it's not as, it's very glamorized. But for me, when I started learning more about 
what filmmaking is and the tool it is, I was like, I can start applying those stories that I've been writing like throughout my life and take it and use it uh, in a different medium. And when I first figured out that I was um, queer, I was like, I, there needs to be more queer representation. And if you haven't already, go listen to episode one, Queer Representation in the Media with Kit. Um, phenomenal episode. Um, but just being able to create that and instead of waiting for someone else to do it, I was like, no, I want to do this. And that was really cool. So I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah, I think when you decide to be your own boss in that way and like take charge of what you're excited about you get to really take charge of the creative field and I think that's the most exhilarating part for me personally. How do you manage your time between uh, creative projects and school projects because I personally really like I struggle with a lot of things but like finishing things and managing my time equally is also really difficult for me so what would you recommend in terms of advice? Yeah so I met up with a freshman the other day and she asked me the same question and I said when you really love it you'll be able to balance everything you want and I felt like this sounded super braggadocious and, and pretentious of me to say to someone who's still figuring it out but I really think like if your heart is invested in everything you're doing equally as such you will be able to accomplish everything so for me my time fluctuates. I wouldn't say that I stick to a schedule or I have the day-to-day -day routine of a mega billionaire creative or anything like that. And so over time, I really think I no, just fall you're, into... No, you're, you're not a mega billionaire creative. You're a mega trillionaire creative. Come on, Paul, yes. let me get that right. Come uh, yeah, on. So me and Jeff Bezos are on the same level. No, but I think in a lot of ways, um, like just setting boundaries for myself with what is fun and what's fulfilling and what is urgent again and I keep those to be like my priorities I'm not going to sacrifice my experiences with friends and family for that of academics to an unreasonable extent I'm going to make sure that everything is balanced mm -hmm. that's really interesting I think a lot of high school students definitely struggle with that like I have noticed in so many of my classmates where the reason they burn out is because they focus, they dedicate all of their time to academics and then they run out of space for doing the things they love. And um, my, my school counselor, for the first year I started the IB program, which for those of you who don't know, I'm doing a program called the International Baccalaureate. It's not as prestigious as it sounds, I promise. It's just a bunch of fancy words. Um, <laughs> but my supervisor, um, the first day she was like, when you get assignments, make sure you prioritize them and basically use this square of like, um, things that I are so like square. A square is like, you know, the square. Yeah. It's yes. like A is things that are important and that are due soon. B is things that are due soon, but not as important. C are things that are important, but due later. And D is things that are not important and not too soon. Um, and I personally haven't really used that method for me. I can kind of just already I try to get my work done as fast as possible which is to my own detriment sometimes <laughs> but <laughs> to be able to like figure out okay if I have this amount of homework tonight and it's half of it's due tomorrow and then half of it's due the next day I'm gonna try to get the stuff that's due tomorrow done now um but then spend like an hour or 30 minutes spending time with my roommates and stuff yeah um do you ever feel like that little trend of like you're procrastinating but you're also if you're you're afraid of failure like I feel like that's me sometimes it's like I'll oh all, but all I'm also the like, time I can't afford that <laughs> a thousand percent and I think another yeah. thing is people tend to procrastinate so they they don't have to fail 
which is like what you said, but basically <laughs> the best way that I have gotten myself out of it is I have, I have been like, look, and it's mostly because I scroll through TikTok. Like TikTok is just, it's addictive, unfortunately, but that's not the point. Um, is to put my phone down and to go, okay, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to do what I like, like something that I enjoy, reading a book, taking time to call a friend, like just being out of my head for 10 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, and yeah. then I'm going to finish X, Y, Z. And that really is just, it helps hold you accountable. Um, and also, I think we've tried this a few times, but FaceTiming someone and just being in the same space is also really great because then it kind of holds each other yeah. accountable and it's just a really good or just sitting in the same space it doesn't have to be on FaceTime but like I said most of my friends are long distance um but just being able to like see where like just have someone there and be like okay if they're working then I'm working and then it kind of it doesn't always work but like most of the time it does. Suppose I want to talk to you a little bit more but we've talked a lot about like work ethic and, and time boundaries but like I want to ask you what makes you inspired for the next your future and like what you would ideally want to be doing soon as a creative like what is your like what's keeping you entertained and inspired right now for me I want to start my own production company in college actually I've started like drafting some stuff for it now but like I don't want to fully commit to it until then um and like I said building a community and a studio that focuses on uplifting queer, POC, um, uh, BIPOC, just so many different voices that honestly don't get amplified enough in the film world. Um, I'm currently writing my basically senior thesis project on um, the trope of the obsessed artist and Queen's, on, in Queen's Gambit and Black Swan. And what's really interesting is although they're very, they're very women-centered films, they are written for the male gaze and um i have like i have paragraphs about this i'm gonna try to like skip it down I'm, like trying to like contextualize by like <laughs> three thousand words into like nothing right now um <laughs> but um just it's so it's the male gaze is not it's not just in film it is effective in every aspect of life basically because that is the way that it has been perceived and the male gaze in short is to basically teach women that they have to be um beautiful and desirable for men whereas men can view women as sexual objects. Now that is oversimplifying it quite a lot, but that's the general's gist that um, Mulvey, I think her name, is the one who first coined the term in 1985. 75, 75, 95. I'm really bad with dates. But just being able to help reshape the structure as to which we operate in and to how we interact with other people is also really crucial for me. And I definitely want to go more into activism, like, um, like what we talked about, and just being able to inspire other people with my writing and uplifting voices that don't always get the light of day. In I don't think the light of day is the right. Maybe is, is it the time of day or the light of day? No, you're good. No, the light of the day light is day. good. Um, yeah, I want to like bounce off of that because I am super excited to read your piece, but I wanted to talk about like the effect the obsessed artist in media has on the creative. Like, how do you feel your relationship with media that represents things like this is, is affecting you as a, a person creating things nowadays? Well, I, I chose my, my senior thesis because I, A, really want to talk about film, and B, because I personally find that I sometimes go down the, <laughs> I sometimes go down the obsessed artist trope myself. And I think that if done poorly, it 
I don't know many that have been done poorly, but like I said, I'm studying Queen's Gambit and Black Swan right now, so I'm going to use that as my basis. But it's very much rooted in um, psychology, sexuality, and um, relationships. And I think the beauty about that trope is that it causes you to reflect on, on your own personal life and really take that to heart and learn to apply certain aspects of it to your own life. Come back to that and say that personally, like, I think the obsessed artist trope helped me burn out in a lot of ways <laughs> because, like, I, yeah. I think I was just, I mean, I was just bouncing off of what you're saying. I just became super fixated on it as a kid. And I, like, I remember leaving a movie that I had seen with my family and being like, I have to give this my all and I have to die for my art and I have to be, like, so overly dedicated. And I was like, You are seven years old. You need to calm down. It's not that serious, but I used to think that I really couldn't, I had to become legendary to be worth living, you know, like I used to really equate my value with my creativity and oh, a thousand percent, like, yeah, yeah, I think that was a lot to do with just seeing it represented this way, because it's like, to me, I always felt like we only acknowledged creators after they died or like had some tragic event happen to them. (laughs) Like we didn't take them seriously until like they had something to prove their worth. And I feel like for me, like I've certainly had my bouts with experiences with people and in places and things over time, but I I didn't think that was ever like enough. There's a, there's a TikTok audio that's like, well, if I don't write my essays now, like what will all the things that I've endured been worth? And it's like, I totally get that. I I used to be like that. I used to be like, well, if I don't write book, uh, like my book of poetry, what was it all for? Like, what is all of the things that I've gone through? Like, what does that mean? And so I think it's like, it's wonderful. And like pieces like Queen's Gambit, I have yet to see Black Swan. I must admit, I have to watch it. I only it. watched it like two days ago, like <laughs> mid thesis essay. I was like, well, I should probably start watching this now. Um, which but, please, yeah. if you're my supervisor, please don't listen to this. Like she will murder me if she finds out. Um, I told her I did it like well, as weeks someone who, ago. <laughs> um, who's going to be reading the essay, I suppose I too need to watch it before I give you your feedback. Um, but <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's like there, there's pros and cons to any media. But like, mm-hmm. I think Hamilton did a number for me too because I was like, I write like I'm running out of time. Like that's me. Like oh my gosh, yeah, Kitty moment. A thousand percent. So, like, Wait for it. Like, it's like yes, yes. Every burnout kid's and like <laughs> overachieving kid, kid yeah. is like this is their song. Like this is the anthem. Yeah, um, and then we're crying for who lives, who dies, who tells their story for a different reason, and we're not upset that Hamilton Amy on died. shuffle is like <laughs> Russian roulette with like bullets I saw to the heart. Listening to. Um, you were listening to a Hamilton song today. Oh, I just I listen, talking, when Spotify. I write my essay, I just listen to the, the whole, like, I literally listen to three different songs when I write my essay. I listen to What the World Needs from um, Ride yes. the Cyclone. And then I listen to basically just the Hamilton soundtrack, like the three songs, like Skylar yeah. Sisters, Helpless. Um, uh, oh my God, what's the one? No, not wait for what it. What did the other I miss one. was when you were... Oh, what yeah. did I miss? What did I miss? And then um, nonstop. And funny story, my friends and I, we had this like performance night at my school and we actually performed nonstop. Um, the I video love is that. somewhere. It is great. My, my <laughs> friend who doesn't sing, like just she sung as um, Washington and it was great. It was oh, beautiful. glorious. Beautiful. Um, it yes. was stunning. I've never been done before. Uh, really never been done before. Have, you have to send me that. Um, <laughs> um, I want to like bounce off that if you don't mind. Because no, no, I think ahead. like there's something to be said. And we talked about this privately the other day, but like 
theater discipline is crazy, man. Like, it's so wild. And I think we should turn, like, that's definitely part of the creative flow and burnout. Like, I've had my experiences with different theater teachers and over time like I haven't quite found that perfect fit because it all seems like this tough love teaching style isn't quite doing the no, numbers no. for theater me that it needs to were literally I did a program uh, at NYCDA for uh, three weeks and I kid you not at 9 a.m. on a Tuesday morning we were sitting there and my teacher goes all right I want you to imagine that your family's died in a car crash go and I was like it is 9 a.m. it is too early for this I am not ready for this Nope, not gonna do this. Yeah, nope. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they're having you channel in all of those yeah. emotions. Yeah, and it's like it's nine a.m. and they're like pour your heart and so like with theater and just acting in general. It's a very toxic career because they ba- you basically yeah. have to be really mentally strong because if not yeah. it will wreck you from the inside <laughs> out. Because you basically have to be able to turn on your emotions like a tap, like have it on and off. It's insane. Like professional actors just deal with so much and I'm just like Absolutely. yeah this is why I kind of want to go into film but also yeah um I really do love acting and speaking of that musical theater I have so many thoughts we our last episode was musical theater so I'm not going to talk about it very much but for me musical theater is <laughs> very hard because you basically have to be good at everything like you you yeah. have to be good at everything you have to be good at singing you have to be good the at acting you have to be good worst at nightmare. and it's really hard because for myself I am not a very good dancer. I am super inflexible. Like, I swear to God, I can't even touch my toes standing up. And <laughs> Me my, either. <laughs> my singing is like, okay, but it's not super good. So I, my main, like, thing is acting. But then when I, like, hear people, like, who are really good singers or really good dancers, I'm like, I'm a failure. Yeah. I'm never going to make it in this industry. Like, yeah. I'm a, no. Um, so it's very, it's definitely very difficult to, like, contextualize that and yeah. separate separate yourself from other people and learn to not, think of everyone's competition which is really hard especially when you're in a burnout episode like I know that when I was in my lower points of, of burnout I would look to people that used to inspire me and be like I will never compare and I would really get down in the dumps about it and like now those people are my colleagues my friends and I'm like asking them to collaborate because I love them and I really genuinely was never upset with them I was upset with myself and I think that was like a lot of getting over and coping with burnout is just doing a lot of inner work i yes. really think it's, it's 99.9 percent inner yeah. work honestly like 0.1 percent yeah. of it is being like oh they're not the best for me and then the other part of it is oh yeah. shoot i got a lot of things to work on myself which it's like we all I'm know that 0.1 percent person is but we're not going to talk about that right now yeah yeah and like i think that's like the best part about it just like falling in love with yourself creatively is better than any personal romantic love that I've ever been in. <laughs> I think when you are enlightened to this this new state of just falling in love with yourself through the projects that you're doing, the people and the work that you get to create, it's just a whole new feeling. And I that's really like healing my burnout wound in a lot of ways. That's awesome. I really, I love that. I think definitely with, if I have like one piece of advice that artists need to just listen to is work on yourself yeah and then you can open up the picture but it all starts from within because if you don't have that kind of self-determination and grit it's going to be really hard like I'm not going to say you're not going to make it but it it's really difficult and this is for all creative fields because we constantly my and I literally read about this in my essay is how we the purpose of art is to not be compared there is no definitive best in art like sure some people there's preferences but we create art to create art. We don't create art for yes. 
like you do it for the love of what you're doing yeah you don't do it because you want to be better than someone else like no one's gonna go i'm gonna learn how to be a better painter so i can be better than van gogh like one he's dead this is such an interesting thing to mention and i'm gonna bounce and i'm kind of cutting you off here but no no no, no, no. that's great anime called blue period that i just watched um it's Mm. on netflix it's based off of a manga but it's an anime so it's kind of like a cartoon and it focuses on this student who is trying to be the best artist Mm. and he's doing all of these japanese entrance exams and he's basically like where we are in the senior year applications pool and he's really sacrificing so much of himself just to be good and it's like at the end he realizes at the end of the first season anyway he realizes like how much he loves art just because he loves it and this ties into a personal connection that i have because someone once told me art only succeeds in capitalism say it with me everyone that's not true (laughs) that's false that's not the case um so when i heard that i was like that cannot possibly be true because we like you say arts artists just make to make and i think that's the most sacred part of the practice so final question of the show which i yes. ask everyone and this has been such a pleasure and honestly such a riveting episode and honestly <laughs> we're gonna need a part two at some point because this is we should we could talk yes. about this for like hours honestly yeah um but part part final question is what is one piece of advice that you want the viewers to take away like one thing if there's one thing that they could take away what is it going to be Oh, wow. I mean, I give advice often and I say lots of crazy yeah, things. And I know, I mean, you should know that this question was coming. I do this every time. Like, <laughs> every if time. A, yeah. I, I'm an avid listener of this podcast, you guys. I'm not a fake fan. I, I, I'm, I'm always supportive. But um, I'd say that do everything you do, do it empathetically and do it with the utmost amount of love that you possibly can. Like, I know that that sounds so contradictory to everything I said about balance and keeping yourself sane and burnout and all of that. But your love, when it is creative and when it is fueled by what you're genuinely being fulfilled and um, surprised by in a lot of ways, you will really just love it and you'll have a genuine new passion for life. And when you have that passion, you'll be able to engage in opportunities and events and people in a new way. And I think because of that, I was able to meet you and to create this relationship. And I know that I've had my ups and downs with projects that we've worked on together and just friendship related events and all of that. But like to be able to be here right now because of the love that I have for you and your projects is the greatest honor that a friendship could ever bring. So I'm just so happy to be here. And my advice is to just love each other as much as you love yourself. Yeah, that's really, really sweet. I think last thing I'm going to say going on that is for artists, we have, and just people in general, we have this fear that if we are not instantly good at something, it is not worth our time or we are not good enough for it. And I'm going to give you an example. I got a watercolor set a couple months back and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be so good at watercolor. All of this, I kid you not, everything bleeds and it looks like a five-year-old did it. (laughs) But I'm learning, and here's the thing, I'm learning to love the imperfection of it. I'm learning to love that I don't need to be good at everything, which is hard because yes. once again, I was doing crocheting. I crocheted the <laughs> ugliest flipping sweater you and no, it, was, it wasn't even a sweater. It was a scarf. It I was like a scarf that it. went like, yeah, yeah it's I so remember bad. that. But I, I take up stuff all the time, which honestly is probably not the best thing for my credit card. I just in general, like I shouldn't be spending this much on hobbies that I won't do again, but like just yes. learning to take a break from the pressure of life and just try something. And it, I don't have to be the, good, the best at it. I'm going to just try my best and 
if it looks horrible, it looks horrible. It's just the fun of doing yeah. it and actually like completing something, like we talked about yes. earlier. So true. Mm. That's so so fulfilling, and to engage in the projects that have no hard deadline and have nobody else caring about them, like. I have some secret passions that I don't tell friends about until I'm doing them. Like I want I want I want to hear one name one secret passion. I want dancing. Hear. I <gasps> want to dance. I want to dance. I've always loved dancing. I literally think it's the, the coolest thing. And I I for a long time was like, well, I can't tell anybody, and I love that little secrecy because I don't have to tell anyone, and I can just go out and do what I like. And that's like low pressure and no pressure opportunities are where it's at for us creatives. But. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, and as always, stay hydrated, stay gay, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Tune in for the next episode next week. Bye. Bye.